It was the day that Jesus met the ultimate soccer mom. Only she was a Jewish mother, and two of Jesus' disciples were her sons, James and John. And she came with a request, she said, when you come in your kingly glory, I want you to seat one of my sons on your right and the other one on your left. It sounds to me like what she was saying to Jesus, I want you to make them into your favorites. And Jesus' response went something like this. It doesn't work that way. Saying that really, that's not the way we're doing it. It's for those for whom it is intended. Meaning Jesus wasn't going to simply pick a favorite. I begin to think about what favorites mean and a definition to the word that expresses best our topic today is one preferred above all others at the same kind. Meaning you've picked someone out that goes above those others. And I, I had the children just a moment ago to tell me some names. I want you to, in a moment, just a second, turn to a person next to you uh, and tell them the name of someone uh, that was a favorite friend or other for you. Can you do that? Just turn to a side or both sides and listen for a moment. You can give one sentence with that to say how they were, but tell them the name of someone who was your favorite. I'm going to give you a minute to do that. Go ahead. Turn to somebody. Who was your favorite? Okay, it, it does us good sometimes to remember back, maybe it was childhood, young adult, maybe it's today, uh, someone who stands out in our life as preferred. We may not always be able to describe why that's so, but they are. We use that term several ways almost every day. We think of someone who is favorite as in a team that you may watch in sports, name the sport. You may think of uh, when you turn on your computer and you log in to the screen and uh, on uh, the login for the operating system, you can have bookmarks. Underneath that, there's a category of favorites, which means that it's those places to which you go too often or are necessary occasionally to go and you put them there so they're easy to locate. Favorite is a fairly customary word, but we begin to ask, what is it like when it refers to us and to God? It seems almost sad to think that God has no favorites, when for us, favorites can often be an important part of how we've experienced life. But why is that so? When you talk about favorites, it can be as large as a nation having most favored status, or like we've described a moment ago, someone out there whom we know. I remember in the fourth grade having Miss Stewart as my teacher. She was a brand new teacher in the school, very young, not married, and she was beautiful. She was just beautiful. And I remember that that year I wanted to be the teacher's favorite, you know, the teacher's pet. 
And I would do all kinds of things, like I'd take the racers out at our break time, and I would beat them on the wall till they got clean. Uh, she'd let me sometimes run errands for her, you know, what was a message to the office or lunchroom or something like that. And, and I always liked that. Got a chance sometimes to hand out papers that would help her do that. I thought it was wonderful. As a fourth grader looking at Miss Stewart, who was beautiful, I was convinced that I loved her and she loved me. And she would certainly wait long enough for me to grow up so she would marry me. You never thought that way? I don't understand. I was sure that I was her favorite and she was going to wait. I made it all the way through the fourth grade with that fantasy. And that summer she got married. I was decimated as a fifth grader. She didn't wait any longer than that on me. Didn't even make it a year. So, you know, favorite sounds so good until somewhere in there it lets you down. You try to figure out from that, oh, what do you do with it anyway? I mean, it didn't, it didn't last very long. It didn't seem very dependable. Now, what am I going to do? It's often a, a phrase or a question that may find its way on the lips of a child. Have your children, maybe even your grandchildren, ever asked you, who is your favorite? And you know, this was what my parents would say, I love every one of you. Now, in my home, where I grew up, there were four boys and one girl. Who do you think was dad's favorite? <laughs> if you need a second option, you don't, you're not thinking straight. It was clear who dad's favorite was. That sweet little mean sister of mine <laughs> was his favorite. So, it's something we experience. It's something that is important along as we grow and we think about what it's meant to us, and yet we hear God say, I have no favorites. When my children asked me the question, I said to them, all of you are my favorites. You know, they didn't like that answer. That didn't seem to separate them from the crowd at all. So depending on what their age was, I'd say to them, well, you're my favorite third grader or whatever they happen to be and that seemed to get a little bit farther down the road but it still didn't say exactly what they wanted to hear because somewhere in all that we need we think for someone to call us their favorite but God has no favorites it seems kind of sad to say it and but maybe it's necessary Maybe it's necessary as we read in God's, read of God's word in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I think it means that God couldn't have favorites unless it was all of us, which kind of erases the definition completely and is why as Paul wrote those books, he kept saying, God has no favorites favorites then again maybe we're confused we look well aren't the people of Israel God's favorites didn't he choose them through Abraham apart from all the rest of the people doesn't that set them apart as the one that God cares for the most isn't that true Or do we understand that in the reading of their relationship with God, special didn't necessarily mean 
that you're my favorite. What it did mean is that God often blessed them. Many ways God blessed them. You can think of his rescuing them from captivity. And you'd say, well, God must favor them over the Egyptians. And yet as you read that account, you'll find that God was even saddened when the Egyptians washed up on the seashore, for those two are his children. For what God did to the people of Israel is that he blessed them in order that they too may become a blessing. That most favored status seems to be a granted thing, not worked at, uh, maybe enjoyed for a while as you have it, but not so certain about the deal and how long it's going to last or what's going to become of it, but we try anyway. It seems kind of sad. Being favorite makes us feel different. I was here yesterday for the concert, enjoyed a lot of it. Uh, I was out doing things part of it. And I enjoyed the choir singing. Don't you know, I, I sat there, uh, listened to the choir sing, and enjoyed everything they sang. Beautiful singing. And I began to think through each of the choir. I'm going to turn around a moment and look at them, okay? I said, okay, pay attention. I looked at each of you while you were standing there, and I thought about, over the years we've been here, how I knew you. And I had uh, names and faces and past and things with each of you, and I thought about it for a while, and I... My heart began to fill with you in appreciation. But I want you to know that in this choir, I have a favorite. <laughs> you understand that, don't you? The truth is, we want something a little more secure than favorite status. It's so easy to get replaced. Uh, there was a second heartthrob teacher. This time it was in the 10th grade, and her name was Miss Lydia Martin, and she was a Spanish teacher. Uh, I was in her home route as well as Spanish class. This was an all-boys high school, and she was loved by at least half the class. She was pretty, and... Um, I remember one homeroom day, you know, everybody's kind of moving around the class before not paying too much attention to each other. And one of the guys went over to the wall and there was a real long drawstring to uh, a Venetian blind. The whole wall was windows. And he took that without anybody kind of paying attention, made a hangman's noose out of it. Then he climbed up on top of the radiator, put it around his neck. And then, as loud so everybody could hear it, said, Miss Lydia, tell me that you love me or I will hang myself. You don't have the best part of the picture yet. That gets everyone's attention because everyone was doing all kinds of things. And then one boy stood up, walked over, and shoved him off the radiator. <laughs> it's really hard to hang yourself with a Venetian blind. But I'll tell you one thing, he definitely was not the teacher's favorite when it was over. It didn't work the way he thought it would. We seem to want a status that really doesn't offer what we think it should. It has its place among human relationships, but not with God and us. 
God has something better. Don't think when you come on Sunday, your purpose is to somehow get God to put you before anyone else. There's another way much more important. There are people that stood out to me as favorite in the scriptures. Not only the people of Israel and Abraham, I thought of Mary, the mother of Jesus. After all, the angel says to her, Hail, O favored one. I mean, that states it about as clear as you can get. But then as we know the whole story, that being a favored one for Mary had a lot of heartbreak to it also. It would come in the way the world would treat that son she loved so much. Doesn't seem quite right simply to call it favorite. I think the word blessed fits much better. Blessed that God could use her, that God can use us. He knows what we're like and he knows what we need. He cares for us that much. In their day and time, uh, there are some big barriers to which Paul speaks to let them know that God really has no favorites. Maybe the biggest social uh, strata change in their culture was that between the slave and the slave owner. It's estimated that at the time of this writing about that era in the Roman Empire, they may have been as many as 30 million slaves whose lives are worth absolutely nothing in the way that culture considered it. And yet Paul tells them in his text here that God makes no distinction between the master and the slave. Don't think because you own more, have done more, have accomplished more, a free man or a slave have more that God has made you his favorite. For he says, God has no favorites. He has something far better he wants of us. It is the thing to seek. I read to you in this same book just a few verses earlier. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy even as I am holy. He's saying what you want to do is to have the kind of life that God gives you a different status. I really shared that with the children also. For in John 15, 14, Jesus says, You are my friend if you do what I command. So being a favorite is absolutely nothing compared to being the friend. Jesus is capable, fully desiring, that all of us can be his friend. 
To declare you want to be his favorite means that everybody else can't be. We can be his friends together. We come to All Saints Sunday, a special day in the life of the church. Remembering friends and families whose lives here are now done. It doesn't mean that God has forgotten them or left them or ever in any way abandoned them. It means that they have stepped into the relationship that God intends for all of us, beginning here and then moving forward. Are you a friend of Jesus? It's better than be a favorite. A lot better. He said, you just do what I command you. That life is the one you live. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you for friends that in human relationships we may have favorites among those. And we thank you, Lord, for stepping outside of that and saying, no, no favorites. You want us all to be able to come to you, all to come to you with an open heart because of that forgiving love you've shown us in your son, Jesus, a new life in him. We come wanting that life. We come wanting to share that life, not only with those seated here, but with all the world that you love so much. Guide us and open us to be that kind of church together. In Jesus, we pray. Amen.